the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast. Tonight's episode is episode 51. I'm your host, Spencer. With us tonight, uh, out of the roundtable crew, or, uh, of course, Dan. Hey, what's up? And Mark. Hello, what's up? And we have uh, with us uh, Rick, um, who's a uh, part of uh, Capital Corridor Pinball Lake. Rick, I, pronounce your last name for me. Uh, it's Demol, just like Demolition Man, only roll that L at the end. Demolition. Yeah. <laughs> nice to be with you guys. <laughs> it's great to have you, man. It's the first time on the show. Yeah. Oh, I've been... Uh, been lurking in the background listening every every chance i can get and it's uh it's great that you guys invited me rick gives us a lot of feedback he also uh is a pinball streamer tell us about your stream rick yeah i stream uh on twitch elk grove pinball so uh stop on by um visit i haven't been too active lately but i'm gonna i'm gonna get back at it here this next week so yeah we do uh we do some, you know, some streaming. I did the uh, Golden State Pinball Festival tournaments, and that was uh, truly a learning experience. Hopefully, we can uh, we can up it uh, this next go around here in the in the spring. Hey, I think we did super good. Yeah, we sounded good, didn't we, uh, Dan? I think I think that I think we did super good. I was actually in the pre-show. I was talking to the guys when we were getting you set up. I was talking about running your stream. And I was like, you know, I helped him do the stream, you know, two or three times. We did a couple of league nights and, and we did the the uh, the uh, GSPF and I was actually getting OK at it. And then we stopped doing it. And now I, <laughs> now I have no idea. Yeah. Who, who knows? I mean, um, the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with the, the setup, the mic- microphones, et cetera, moving cameras around. But, um, yeah, it's a learning experience for me. I'm certainly not at the level of like uh, Carl D'Angelo or Fox Cities. But, um, yeah, no, it's fun. I enjoy it. And, and it, you know, it's a hobby. <laughs> Yeah, and don't sell yourself short. It's it's a super impressive rig. He's got really good production values, and uh, it's it's really fun both to watch and to be a part of. No, I think he did. I, well, your streams are great, Rick, and you did a great job at Golden State. So yeah, don't sell yourself short. And again, it's like you know, it's like this podcast. We've gotten better over the years, but we still do it. Especially me, you know, I still do it because it's fun. Absolutely. Yeah, your stream is awesome. I was really impressed and you sound good on the mic and you have good commentators and the video quality is great. And uh, you're up there with the other ones. I really, truly believe that you're like, you're pretty close to Fox cities, if not equal. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that guys. You know, we try, we try. I do this for the money. What are we getting paid? I know. Where's my check? Where's where's dollars and fifteen cents? Where's my pinball check? <laughs> yeah. So we got we got some you know we got some topics going on. We're getting into fall weather. Uh, it's cooling off. Well, it's cooling off where I'm at. I don't know about you guys. Um, it is definitely Dan, cooling off here. Dan, your creature is alive again. Yes. The, the, the journey is the journey is ended. So we finally got the new cabinet back from George and, you know, it's been a real community effort. Uh, you know, I got the game from, from Mike, uh, a deal with, uh, Sparky. Let me buy the play field. Cheddar did the swap for me. George did the cabinet. Uh, 
And then uh, Adam and George helped me put the thing back together. And, you know, we reseeded some cables and pushed some stuff around. And it worked pretty much 100% out of the box, which is, you know, just super unheard of. <laughs> so I felt really, really, really lucky. I mean, it looks like a million bucks. It it plays just as well. And yeah, it's been, I think it's been about a year. We started, I think, last, this time last year is when we finally, we took it all apart and we we sent it in. So it has been a long time coming, but it's great to have it back in the lineup. And uh, we will be seeing it at League this Thursday. So Rick, practice up. Yeah. Yeah, I did see that, and I I got in four or five games um, this last week, and ooh, it is, it is a it's probably the nicest creature I've ever seen, and wow. So, um, yeah, it's it's sparkling. Let me put it that way. Yeah, so it's, it's beautiful, but is it brutal as well? Oh yeah, I I don't think there is a creature from the Black Lagoon that's not just an ass kicker because it's mm-hmm. got that short play field. Right. But this one, because the playfield's brand new, the ramps are brand, they're not brand new because the ramps are actually, ramps are probably about four years old. I think I've had this game for about four years, but the playfield only has, it probably doesn't even have a hundred games on it. So there's nowhere at all at the scoop. And it has a cliffy on it because I had a cliffy to cover the previous scoop. So we just put it on the new one. So it takes a very precise shot to shoot the snack bar. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. I you will know, second that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the best creatures in the world. And I don't think anybody will argue are blown out, you know, cause when that, when that hole is eroded away to about the size of a golf ball, hitting that snack bar shot is so easy. That's true. <laughs> on on this game, it's like, yeah, you know, you you get into, I mean, I'm assuming everyone's familiar with how to play creature, but it's like, you know, you you plunge for your K, you know, you you hit a few center shots for your for your uh for your first S and you hit the ramp for for uh, no, it's F I L M. So you you plunge for the F, you you do the paid for the L and you hit the slide for the M. And then it's just like, if you can get through all those snack bar shots without getting murdered, yeah, you know, you still have to make, what, three more snack bar shots to do a search, find the girl, and score the jackpot. <laughs> so, wow, yeah, it, it makes you work for it. I played it uh, for probably an hour today. I did, I did eventually get into a decent multi-ball and get a jackpot, but I still haven't managed to get myself into like the whole, you know, quadruple super jackpot sort of situation yet. I mean, it's just, it's a really, it's a really brutal game. So I think it'll do good yeah. at league. And uh, I'm feeling confident that it's going to survive the rigors after getting a lot of play during practice and after uh, after league last week, I had to go in and tighten up a couple screws, nothing too major and uh, it should be good. So, yeah, for, for me on creature, it's, it's trying to figure out that feed uh, from the right orbit, how to, how to get control out of that and, and not muff it and, and drain. But um, yeah, I mean, if you can do that, you, you can be successful at that game. But it, for me, it's it's very difficult to control that type of shot. 
Yeah, you have to. I mean, it's one of those games where like if you're really good at the live catch, it will it will definitely behoove you. But again, the problem is I can pretty much get the ball where I want it to be even now. But it's like then I take that shot. And again, the play field's so short that if you miss that scoop and you hit that that flower pot rubber or even just the regular rubber on the other side, the ball just comes whip right back at you, right back at you. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's 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 in your stomach before you even have a chance to, you know, <laughs> to, to slide the game. And the tilt on that game is pretty tight. It lets you get yeah. away with it lets you get away with something, but not too much. Now, I know uh, a friend of mine uh, who's in Reno, he has a creature and he has it set up where when it goes around that left orbit coming back to the flipper, if you dead bounce it, it bounces quickly and then to the right and then back to the left. And I don't know if yours does that or not, but um, you yeah, just that's, let, let it dead bounce. That's it's a about cool how, Yeah, that's about, I mean, I think that every game, you know, as you play it, and I think that's what Rick was referring to is like, if you let the ball go around and just watch it, you know, and figure out where it's going to end up and where you have to move your move your flipper, you know, maybe 80 percent of the time you can you can find control, you know, 10 percent of the time, 20 percent of the time the game's just going to fuck you anyway. But, yeah, if you can if you can do that dead bounce and you can catch it, you know, then then, you know. If you're on the right flipper, you know, you can decide if you're going to go for the snack bar, if you're going to try for the targets, if you're going to go for it, or actually if you're going to go for uh, the kiss lane. And if you're on the left flipper, you know, you can go for the slide and go for the right ramp. Um, you know, you have your choices. It's not a game that I've ever had good success with uh, post passing on. Mm-hmm. Because it's got That's that, a hard one to post because it's got that Trudeau Correct. where it's a little wider apart. And so it's a little bit trickier. I mean, you can do it. It's risky, though. It's, it's very risky. It's very risky. And I think also I still have super bands on that game. So I should probably do everybody a favor and put some Titans on there. But fuck you guys. You'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make it hard. They right? look, make they it look hard. great. Well, you know, I think that there's two two trains of thought, right? Some people love super bands for the pop. Uh, some people love Titans because it's, I think it's easier to get control with them. You know, they seem to it, have, it is for me. They seem to have more grip. Yeah. I like yeah. Titans cause they're easier to install, man. Once you get super bands on those bats, you don't take them off if you don't have to. Right. Yeah. They're a bear to get on. I just and, put some on Pinbot about two months ago. Yeah. And they have that nice glossy look and they never wear out because they're hard as rock. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Dan and everybody else, when you guys are playing creature and getting a multi-ball, are you guys actively trying to find the girl or are you just happy to shoot the ramp and get, go to see how many times you can go around in the circle in the swamp thing there? Yeah, that's a good question. I was going to ask the same thing, Spencer. Were you? Okay, because yeah. that's all I do. I, if I get the girl, great. If not, I'm happy just getting up the ramp and just seeing how many times I can crank around in the little circular swamp. Because so, it's two times, right? And then it's three times. It's, it's, up, it's, it's like it's, a multiplier, right? So it's up to 4X, right? Yeah. So you get a million points per letter, and you can do that four times. And I don't know if it continues to give you points per letter after that, but the thing about it is just like the jackpot on creature is worth, 
let's say 50 million points, which on Creature from the Black Lagoon is a lot of points. And so it's like you're you're smart to get up there and try to get a couple, a couple, a doubler, tripler, quadrupler. But it's like once you have that, like the super jackpot, even just normally is like what? 200 million points. It's huge. Yeah, it's just the score is so big. Like, how do you not take that opportunity to just blow that game wide open, especially if you're at three X or four X. So, you know, right now, like I think I hung, I hung like 800 million up on that game, you know, before we took it apart and put it back together. And the way it's set up right now is I haven't managed to break 200 million because I've gotten, I've gotten a jackpot. I don't think I've gotten into a super jackpot situation and it still needs a little bit of adjusting, you know, a little bit of leveling, I think more than anything, but it's, uh, it's hard. <laughs> that super jackpot is so difficult. I think I've only done yeah. it once. I think I've only done it on one, once on a variety of creatures. I've never been able to go, uh, get that. Cause you got to get it in the pops. And then you got to make that then final shot. Shoot the snack bar. Got to make that final shot. And that final shot, I always screw up on that. If you and have it, really good pops, though, right? You know, yeah. three, four trips through the pops will usually get you there. And it's a center shot. So it's not that bad. And it's coming out, you know, and it's dropping onto the right. And it's usually pretty easy to get control on the right. And then, you know, you can backhand that snack bar shot. I mean, it, 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 you know, it takes nerves of steel. Yeah, it sure does. You know, you got to be a, uh, you know, you got you got to have nerves of steel, but you know, you can you can do it, or you know, you could always, you know, try for a, a flipper pass, or you can you can try to backhand the right ramp, and then it'll come out at the left, the left, and then you can take the shot from the left. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go about doing it, but yeah, you know, super jackpot, I think, is always the goal. It's just so exciting to hit it. And it's just one of the one of the most just apocalyptic super jackpot call outs. You know, it's like that and like the getaway. Yeah. You know, when you hit that super jackpot, it's like, you know, just like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it is very satisfying when you get that. Lord of the Rings is another one. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Super jackpot. Yeah. But yeah, so that game, you know, we we put the new play field in, we put the new cab art on, new legs, new rails, new glass, back glass, you know, the 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 ramps and everything were all pretty new. Plastics are a little ratty, and I know there's a new plastic set out there right now, but for the moment I'm just gonna live with it. And so yeah, that game's uh it's a real beauty. Everybody contributed in our group to it in one way or the other. You know, people came over, helped helped with the initial shop job, helped turn screws on it, helped move stuff around, um, contributed parts. You know, Rob Bell gave me uh gave me hologram motors, which was which was just amazing. You know, Brian, of course, has helped me a dozen different ways. Um nice. cheddar. Uh, George, you know, will work for pinball. Adam came over and, you know, it would have taken me another week to have that thing going. Adam came over to help me install the play field and was just like, yeah, let's plug it in. And he just gets in there and just starts plugging shit in. And I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's not the prettiest <laughs> job I've ever seen with the plug in, but we also didn't like break the harness up and like right. run everything. Like when I put the, the cabinet harness in, uh, I started with it in the head and I was very careful about how I ran everything because he kind of had the luxury. It was on a table. 
once we are, everything was on the cabinet, we're like running it up. You pretty much, you know, you can do what you can do. But then uh, I don't know if anybody else is checking this out on YouTube, but you have uh, Chris Hutchins is doing a whitewater right now. And just like his videos the last couple of days, he's been doing the cabinet and he actually, you know, of course, is, you know, master pinball restorer. And me and Brian are watching him restore this whitewater cabinet. And it's just like so gorgeous. I'm just That's like, cool. oh, yeah, it's just like so good. I mean, and he's doing like these eight, 10 minute videos where he's just showing you how to do these things and he makes it look so easy. And I'm like, man, I am really glad I didn't see this before. I went and put the creature cabinet back together because, you know, that's kind of where I started was I had a basically naked cabinet and I puzzled it all together. And, uh, but yeah, watching him do it, I would, it would have taken me like six years. So it sounds like the creature game, um, in your possession was a community project among all the pinheads of, uh, Sacramento. Yeah, everybody, cool. like I said, big, big, big props That's to really George, cool. to Adam, you know, to Mike Hozier for just giving me a smoking deal on it initially, you know, to Brian for helping me get it running, you know, the first time. All the guys, Mike Garcia, Dan Costa, they all came over and helped me take it apart, you know. And uh, yeah, we got the thing back together and it is it is doing its duty. So Creature is back. Congratulations. That is awesome. I'm so happy for you because I know when I came there, I didn't get to see the final thing. It still played good, um, but um, yeah, I didn't get to see the, I don't the think, final product. So I don't I'm think really when excited you came to see over, that. It was even set up. I think it was disassembled. I played for, it. When I came there the first time, you still had it running. Oh, okay. And then uh, after that, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm taking out the play field and totally shop job of it. And and then, yeah, then after that, then it was disassembled and it was unplayable. Yeah, because when when you and Teddy came by after Pentagogo, I think at that point, the new arrival was uh, Indy. We just got an Indianapolis 500. Yes. We, we were still we were still working its bugs out. Which, by the way, that thing's playing playing really good now. I finally got it all figured out, all the phantom switches and everything. So it nice. it just it just went through league night and uh, seemed to do real real well. Nothing nothing went down, no problems. And I finally got to play another Indianapolis 500. One showed up at Pinagogo, and uh, mine was better in every single way, except for that one had a faster turbo. So I definitely think that I need to to rebuild the gearbox on my turbo. Cool. No, not cool. cool. I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. I <laughs> mean, it's, it. it's cool. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you though. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, Hey, have you guys heard about, uh, um, cause we we're all talking about legends of Valhalla a couple episodes back. And, uh, Jeff and Courtney, shout out to them, uh, had bought one at uh, Golden State. And uh, we played that one a lot. Me and I know me and Dan, especially at Golden State. Um, yeah, that, is, that is a fun game. Like it is once, a fun game. I think at Golden State, I walked out a little bit underwhelmed. But once it was in the home environment and uh, the new owner, Mr. Mr. Jeff, had a chance to explain to me how that game actually works. I was like, oh, this is actually a lot better than I think that it's it's a tough game to get a good first impression on because it has that American pinball, you know, kind of homemade, you know, not like most American pinball stuff. I guess most American pinball stuff seems to be pretty good, but, you know, it has like that homemade, like almost like a spooky quality. 
Right. You know, and but once once it was laid out, it's a really solid, you know, well put together, decently themed game. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic game. I'm, you know, uh, everything American Pinball does, I pretty much like. I have liked so far, but they, they announced that they're going to have different tiers of this game available. So uh, it was like, um, they're not calling it a limited edition. I don't think it's like, uh, I forget now, but the one that people have with the molded plastic toys and the mountain of skulls, that kind of thing, there's going to be a, a cheaper, slightly cheaper version. It's just going to have like butyric black plastics instead. Um, and then there's different options. There's one where you can get different options. Like you can, um, you know, upgrade with, uh, the shaker motor and stuff like that. But it's not, well, it's kind of weird that they're doing that mid run, you know, maybe they're just running into the fact that the price is too high. Like how much is taking the, the molded stuff, which is awesome, by the way, how much yeah. is taking that stuff off and replacing with flat plastics really going to save you? Uh, -huh. Like if they take a thousand dollars off of the price, that seems to be a pretty good deal. It's true. It's a really good deal, actually. For but I mean, I, you still have the same gameplay. So But I seriously doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I thought already, like initially they had at least two different uh, uh two different models. They had like a premium and then they had a more standard. And I think the differences were I mean minor. You right. know, back glass, something like that. So I think that if American pinball is smart, they figure out a way to get something out there for six grand. And I know that that's asking a lot in, in the day and age where Stern pros are about to hit $7,000, but like, there's still a big segment of, of pinball fandom that like seven, they look at $7,000 and unless it's just blowing their socks off, they're just like, ah, it's too much money, you know? And now we're looking at 10,000 for a premium and 12, 13,000 for a, for an LE, um, you know, 15,000, if you're a JJP enthusiast, like, you know, it's, there's, it's a lot of money. And, you know, if you can get a good game, you know, out there and charge a thousand dollars less than Stern, I think people are going to give it a chance. You know, I think that worked with Hot Wheels. When Hot Wheels yeah. came out, it was like, how much did you drop on your Hot Wheels? It was like fifty five hundred bucks, right? Uh, it was sixty seven forty with shipping, with shipping and everything. Yeah. So it's still still over six thousand when you bought it. Yeah, uh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, out, when, when Hot Wheels came out, it was pretty much pretty much right, like a hundred bucks more or something, right. than a Stern Pro. Yeah, I thought it was like fifty five hundred bucks when it when it dropped. And Stern Pros at that time were like fifty three or fifty four hundred, right? So the versions now it's the the classic version is the new version that's going to come out, and it's going to be a little more stripped down. I think all the the elements will be there, but it's like you know flat plastics instead of you know molded three dimensional toys on some of the stuff. Um, so there's the classic version, the limited deluxe, and then just the deluxe. So yeah, maybe oh. deluxe is the word I was looking for earlier. Maybe that, yeah. Hey, I, Jeff, Jeff was telling me something about it. Okay, yeah. So I did hear an interesting side note on Houdini and the programming. I'm going to have to go look. Uh, there's a local collector here that has a Houdini. He actually has it for sale right now. The start button, when it blinks, 
it's actually programmed as blinking in Morse code. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, there's there's some alternative uh, <laughs> reality in that game. Supposedly, the the designer was talking about that. Yeah, apparently, it was something that that Houdini and his wife would communicate Morse code. <laughs> wow, that's um, interesting. I wonder what the message says. No idea. You know, I know people love to piss on that game because the shots are tight and because I guess the arts kind of hit or miss. But I absolutely love that game because, yeah, you can tell that whoever designed that game had a real affection for the material because there's just a lot of weird Houdini trivia and facts and and lore and, you know, I'm sure some myth like it is definitely a love letter to to Houdini. Yeah. Being a teacher, that game is very educational. It really does teach you a lot about Houdini and all of his tricks that he did. There was a lot of research that went into that. But I agree with you, Dan. That game is really fun once you find the shots. And it's so satisfying when you go for that trunk shot and you can make it in that pretty much the same diameter, the width of the ball. <laughs> right. It's well, maybe that, a slight little bigger. Couple but, all that yeah. With the fact that they built that game pretty much from start to finish. Because, you know, the original prototype, they used nothing from other than the name. Right. Because uh, well, like it, it was Papa Duke, right? It was a yeah, box yeah, of lights yeah. and that was it. Yeah, another, another pretty box of lights with pretty hard yeah. But a funny thing about that is, you know, again, the guy who, I mean, and maybe it's even because of, of Papa Duke, but like, yeah, he had a real boner to make a Houdini game. Mm-hmm. And so I think that they lured him in with that. And, you know, it's just lucky that whoever else worked on it also had a real passion for the material, you know, so they could take that, you know, that kind of good software and that good attention to detail and put it on a play field that, you know, works. Right. And all the different uh, things that happen with the flippers, too, is clever. Like when you push the button in, it makes the flipper go down. And then when you release it, it goes up in certain modes oh, yeah. and stuff like that. That's that's bizarre. It's pretty cool. It really messes with your mind, but it's <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's it's very uh, unique. Yeah, I wish I wish somebody around here owned one. I mean, uh, Joe has one, but like I wish that somebody like at our our direct league had one so that I could you know get around and spend more time on it. That's not Joe's fault. I just need to get over to Joe's house more often. But Did, that's uh, it's, we played one at Jack's. I don't know if that's his. Oh yeah, Jack has we, one, but Jack lives in El- uh, Jack lives far away. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. it's not like I'm just running over to Jack's to play a couple games. <laughs> yeah. For me, I don't know. Yeah. You mentioned that the shots are really tight um, and I can live with that. But um, when everyone is tight, you know, I mean like Elwin's games, he usually has a few that are makeable, you know, 90% of the time. And then he's got that tough O shot on Jurassic, which you really have to nail to, to get it. And so, um, I like something a little, little like that more than what Houdini has, but you know, it's a, it's a beautiful game. I'm looking at it right now and wow, I I wouldn't mind having one and exploring a little more. Yeah. It's a game game. that you can really lose yourself in because it's got a lot going on. The little magnet hands thing. Like it's so cool. Yeah. Well, same with ball back to Valhalla. You know, there's a lot going on in the game. You know, I'm so happy that got made and that it's selling well. Um, it's really doing well, which, you know, I kind of had to change my stance. I was thinking about it and thinking about, uh, you know, I used to say that, you know, everybody says they want an unlicensed original IP, 
but they don't. They're full of it. Well, I, I've kind of changed my tone on that. People do still want an original unlicensed IP. Just has to be a good game. And I'm excited and about Galactus. We, Galactic Tank Force when that comes out, I'm, I don't know yeah. why, but I think a lot of people are excited about it because it, it's so the too. designer, right? It's Dennis Nordman. So right, right. Well, you know, Dennis hasn't. Yeah, he's a, got a good track record. Right, he's a good guy, good designer. But real quick, touching on the last two unlicensed original IPs that have done well, um, Legends of Valhalla, obviously, and, uh, and then over at Spooky. Um, a TNA or total nuclear annihilation. They have they have all the ingredients, you know, in the stew of what makes a good pinball. You know, theme, you know, theme integration, lighting, music, sound, gameplay, shots, kinetics, uh, flow. You know, all the things that we all want in a pinball machine. And those both those games, those original unlicensed IPs, um, deliver. You know, in all aspects. I so. think when people say, though, they want something unlicensed, what they want is they want something that's unlicensed, but has the care and the expertise, the time and money put into it that you got with like Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars. And that's, you know, unless it was like a fan project made good, like a TNA, like that's just never going to happen. No one's no one's going to spend, you know, you don't have anybody with the with the expertise, you know, of of a Williams in the 90s to take just a generic, you know, aliens invading theme and turn it into to straight magic. I think what is it? Cosmic Tank Force, Galactic Tank Force, Galactic Tank Force. Yeah, I think that's a terrible theme. Like, where did it even come from? That's why I like it, because it's it's crazy. It's so original and and. Dennis is known for crazy themes with uh, that are out of his own imagination. So who knows how it's going to be? Is it, is it Dennis or is it, was that a, uh, so Dennis is the guy who came up with the theme. Uh, well, I think Dennis is a designer, if I'm not mistaken. Dennis. Yeah, he definitely. Yeah. And so whoever and came the, with the theme, who, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming probably he did too. Yeah. Well, I know Franchi did the art cause that's where the leak came from. That might make Ooh. it cool too. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm for some reason I'm excited about that game. I don't know why. Well, like if, if, if you just saw the words, though. if you just saw the words "Galactic Tank Force" though in a list of games, are you going to be like, oh yeah, that sounds that sounds that's where I want to put my eight thousand dollars? Not knowing the that's designer, absolutely no. Not. not knowing the designer, absolutely no, not. Yeah. Well. You can say the same thing about Total Nuclear Annihilation. Somebody just walked up to you and said, hey, some guy we don't know, nobody's ever heard of, designed this game called Total Nuclear Annihilation. Yeah, it's terrible, right? Like Total Nuclear Annihilation. Actually, the original name, which was Total Annihilation, was better, but it, you know, there was already a Total Annihilation, a, a, a video game. So they right. had the nuclear in. But yeah, if you had told me, hey, uh, I'm going to give you this list, this list of original theme names, you know, which one do you like? Total Nuclear Annihilation or Galactic Tank Force? I'm sorry, bro. I'm going with Total Nuclear Annihilation because <laughs> that just sounds like it's going to be badass. Yeah, Galactic Tank Force. You know, eh. what was what was the the zombie theme park one? That was ridiculous. Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. Yeah, but it 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 catches your eye. Like yeah. you hear Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland, you go like, oh, that sounds 
fucking cool. <laughs> like it sounds crazy and it sounds fifties and it sounds crazy. Galactic tank force. What? Sounds like every cheesy B eighties movie that came out between like 84 and 88. Like nah, man, because like Delta I'm, force, uh, Iron, Iron Eagle. Iron Eagle. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the one with, was it not Delta force? What was the one? Megaforce. Missing, uh, in, missing in action. No, no, no. It was with Barry Bostwick. It was like it's like some kind of futuristic like Delta Force thing. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I don't so. know. Anyways, I hope I hope it's a great game and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum, but I'm just like, I think that Galactic Tank Force is a terrible theme. <laughs> yeah, we don't it's got an uphill battle we don't like if you, we don't know what it would be like so yeah if you came yeah. up with a generic name like like legends of valhalla that sounds like a cool theme right you know any sort of swords and sorcery thing you know knights and knights and kingdoms medieval madness you know you hear that name and it just catches your imagination You're like oh medieval madness that sounds that sounds neat right you know right galactic tank force nah <laughs> like what do what do tanks have to do with galaxies like what are you even doing like, come on that's guys. what we gotta see that's that's i hope i, love it. I hope it's good i hope it's amazing it better shoot like no, no other yeah well and no the nice thing is like yeah nordman i mean you know let's let's take the last elvira out of it because he didn't get to take it all the way nordman is known for doing you know interesting ramps you know crazy shots you know good layouts I mean, you know, he's he's definitely a, a proven commodity as a designer. And I'm I'm looking forward. Franchi, you know, I don't know if any of you guys listen to Super Awesome. I do. Great show. He seems really excited about this art package. Like he says, this is the first art package that he's ever done where he got to be himself. Exactly. He can go to town because he has no right. no limitations. No rules. Right, because he's because he's a professional commercial artist, right? right? So he does what his clients need him to do. This is the first time that like he's broken away and gotten to do the art that he wants to do. And he sounds really, really stoked. And I thought that he said that like he had some input, like some suggestions on the theme. But I mean, he says a lot of stuff and I might be putting one thing in front of the other. I don't know if that came from his imagination or what, but like I said, just, I hope that, you know, if they're passionate about it and the game comes out and it looks good and it shoots good. Yeah. You know, maybe, it, maybe it'll be the next medieval madness or the next attack from Mars, but that's always been to me is it's just like, it's really hard to recapture theming that good and, and execution that good you know by an american pinball or a spooky pinball i mean they've made fine machines beautiful games um you know probably in some ways even superior to the all-time classics that i'm talking about but you know you're never going to have all rounders you know until you come up with the next big thing I'm, i know that's what you know i know that's what papa duke thought he was doing with magic girl he right. wanted to, he wanted to blow the old shit out of the water well, he instead of his career, I'll tell you, <laughs> seeing that game in person is the most beautiful machine I've ever seen in my life. But I, I think it's tacky looking that's about it. But I, I think it's gorgeous, especially the, tacky. the one man's tacky is another man's gorgeous. <laughs> it's like a weird, like quasi sequel to like theater of magic and, and circus, and circus Voltaire. Voltaire. And, yeah. It's got like lots of purples and blues. And I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, zombie. It, it was definitely for the moment, like it was some some next level pinball artwork. Yeah. But, you know, the back. I mean, that's what happens. Look, that's so. how it brings zombie Yeti into the 
into the community. Right. You know, so I, I mean, we owe it for that. That's true. And apparently, you know, I didn't I hadn't didn't follow much on Expo, but apparently, you know, some uh, some guys have finished it. Yep, and people enjoyed playing it too, from what I heard, because it was now shooting the way it was supposed to, how it was meant. But anyone checked? I mean, I know none of us made it to Expo, unfortunately. But did anyone check out like any of the streams or anything like that? I didn't see any streams. I just saw uh, a couple of pictures of it. I watched a couple of seminars, but it really wasn't much to talk about because there was no releases of anything except yeah, except I just, yeah, I just took Storbit in the was announced for yeah. American Pinball, which I'm excited about. So what was it? What was announced? Scorbit is going to be oh, okay. is going to be integrated into the games, including Hot Wheels. I think Hot Wheels is one of the first ones that they're going to integrate it in. So I'm excited to see what they have to offer for that. Man, I mean, I want to be excited about that, but I have Scorbit on Guns and Roses, and I kind of hate it. Yeah, it like I like it when it works, right? But it doesn't seem to work super well. And I mean, and at first, you know, when they started talking about Insider Connected, I was like, ah, you know, screw you guys. Scorbitt's already beat you to the punch. It's like super good. And now I'm kind of come around. I'm like, man, Insider Connected is cool. And Scorbitt, they need to get an app or something out there. They're a little janky or a better app out there. They're a little janky. They have an app. They just need a better one. Yeah. I have to say, if I compare the two, yeah, absolutely. Insider Connected is solid. It's awesome. Are they going to give it to you all? Are they going to, do you have to buy like a module or something? I have to buy a module, probably a dongle or something that goes in there. But I know that they have two USB ports within the machine. So um, I just have to plug it in there and try it out. I don't know. I'll have to see how it is and see what the reviews are from people that start using it first and then go from there. You know, you and uh, uh, Rick were both at a major tournament recently. Did they use Scorbit there? They did not. Nope. Okay. Nope. So that, what, what was that tournament? Super Series. The Super Series in De Pere, Wisconsin. Yep, just about a couple of minutes, actually like five, ten minutes away from Green Bay, Wisconsin. The true Whopper farm of the United States. <laughs> if you're looking for some Whoppers, that's the place to get them. Definitely the mecca of pinball at this point in time, for sure. Where, where did they have it at? And uh, they actually had it in a, and it's in a warehouse. Looks like nothing District on the outside. Yeah. yeah. District 82 is the name of the place. Sorry. District 82. Um, it used to be called Title Town, but then uh, the Green Bay Packers did not like them using that name. So they changed it to District 82. And what's really awesome about it is it doesn't look like anything on the outside. It just looks like a normal warehouse. And then when you walk in, it's absolutely amazing with the amount of machines that are there the way they're organized. And the coolest part is all the banners that are hung up. And then they have all older play fields with the back glass to match with it all the way around the entire venue. So it really has a neat atmosphere. It's carpeted, which is really nice. So you, your feet are not killing like Pinberg. And uh, the machines are amazing because they are set up to have a modern game and then a classic game. And it just keeps going in that pattern, AB pattern, just Classic, modern, classic, modern. And the way that they set up the tournament was so organized and interesting, yet the person who put it on, Eric Thorne, was, I couldn't believe how calm and how collective he was for that many people with such a high stakes tournament with money and involved and everything like that. He was so relaxed and he was just there to have fun. And obviously people were okay with it and there was no complaints and it went really smoothly. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Eric is a one man show. He, he does it all. I mean, he has a, he has a staff to help him during tournaments, but you know, in between rounds, you would see him teching <laughs> on machines, keeping them up and how he plays at his level and does all those things at the same time. It's just amazing. My hat's off to him. Yeah. When I spoke with Eric, I said, how do you have time to do all this? And he says, I do it during the day when my kids are at school because I'm a stay at home dad. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense then. So yeah, he's at District 82 during the day. And when his kids come back from school, then he spends quality time with his kids and family and everything. And the next day he's back at District 82. So he has that as a hobby, but obviously he is definitely supporting the pinball community, having all these people from all over the world come to these tournaments. And they played amazing. They were really in good shape. I mean, I can't think of more than what four games that went down during the whole tournament. They lasted the whole time for that whole weekend. Yeah. And like I said, if, if something went down, you know, he'd finish his round. And if there was time left over, he'd be, he'd be over there with his head under the play field, you know, doing whatever he needed to do to get that game back up. So, um, yeah, amazing, amazing quality of games. He played in the tournament on top of running it. Absolutely. <laughs> and and I know a lot of people are like, oh, you shouldn't run a tournament, you know, when you're when you're or you shouldn't be playing a tournament when you're running it with that many people. But he was totally fine with it. And he played pretty well, too. I would be a nervous wreck just to run it and then to play in it. That's pretty amazing. But he's he's got that character that is just calm and collective and, and just uh, the nicest guy you'd ever meet and uh, felt really welcome there. And it's it's an awesome place. I would definitely go back any day. What's the uh, the rarest or most unique game you guys saw there? I would say the Electronimo. I've never seen that before. Is that what it was called? Electronimo or, or something elect- like that? Yeah, Electronimo. Ele- yeah, Electronimo. Yeah, Electronimo. It's an old classic Stern. That was rare. Um, they have a game called Palooka. Palooka. I think it's yeah. mid-60s. Um, yeah, it has the kickers uh, on either side of the the flippers, and um, the small you know the small one inch flippers. But that game was actually somewhat controllable, and I I find that game pretty entertaining. I, I don't know about you, Mark, if you had a chance to play that one, but that that one is rare. I'd never seen that before at any other place. Yeah, I liked Palooka a lot better than the one that was next to it. <laughs> Papa card? Papa card was <laughs> awful. Awful game. It was an old Gottlieb, isn't it? Like an old 60s Gottlieb? Yeah. That right. sounds about the right time frame, yes. It was awful mm-hmm. to play. I mean, it's just like the only way you could make points is making the outlanes. It was, I've never seen such a wide open field of nothing to shoot at. It was, and I got that game a lot in the, in the uh, tournaments that really screwed me over. Yeah, you're speaking of Papa card. Yeah. Papa yeah. card. I wouldn't. I wouldn't shed a tear if that one was gone. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Papa card was, yeah, not good. <laughs> not good. But um, yeah, uh, the Super Series was a series of tournaments of six tournaments over four days. Uh, started off on Thursday uh, in the evening around five o'clock. They, they allowed practice uh, between that time from one until five pretty much. And what was really cool, and I've never experienced this before, maybe you haven't either, Rick, is that you were allowed to practice between rounds, even on the same game that you just played. 
before you went to the next round. And I've never been to a tournament where you can just go ahead. And, oh, I may I'll practice on that game again in case I get it later in the tournament and uh, play free play between rounds. And amazingly enough, when people had to get off when it was time to play, they were off and continuing the round with no problems at all. Yeah, I think that's one of the charms of of going to District 82 is is being able to continually play. I mean, you would have some rounds that, you know, your game was done and, you know, you're the high co- caliber of players that are playing, you know, there, there's some games that are going to run out a little long. So um, I think it's it's ingenious to just let people play. Um, you know, we're talking over 100 games, so it's not like you're going to practice and get that game um, the next round, although it does happen from time to time. So it's, it's not really changing any of the results. Like, you know, if you were maybe in a smaller tournament where you're, you're practicing on a game, you're definitely going to have in the next couple of rounds. So yeah, no, it's, it's pinball from the time you get there until the time you leave. And they were long days. They started right at nine o'clock and they went all the way till midnight every night, pretty much for, for the duration of the tournament. There was one tournament uh, that went all the way until two thirty in the morning, which was crazy. Um, but like Rick said, out of the 150 people that participated in the tournament, 50 of them were the top 100 in the world. So we're talking really major players there that we had to play against. So when I look at my scores, I'm like, well, I feel okay after actually, because th- these were like the best players. So I felt pretty good when I was like, all right, well, maybe I didn't finish as high as I wanted to, but um, it was definitely a great experience. And the games were brutally set up. They were, they were set up to be very fast. And somehow they made it so that the timing, even with the long playing games, they didn't last that long. And it pretty much stayed on time all the way up to the next tournament that started in the afternoon. So there was always a, a one tournament in the morning and then one term in the afternoon until it went all the way to the evening. But the outlanes were as wide as you could go. The rubbers that they used, I don't know what they used, probably Titans or something that were all super bouncy and you really had to know how to control it. And it was, it was brutal. I, there was a couple of times where I was like, I had no flips, two balls in a row. And it was, wow. That's all I can say. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts, Rick? Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I've been there four times now, so I, I'm somewhat familiar, but yeah, I think he has, um, increased the difficulty of the games and the way they play. Um, a lot of games, especially the moderns without a ball save, some have some tight tilts. Like you said, the rubbers, the the pops and the slings are really, really active that kind of keep you on your toes. So, yeah. Um, and then, you know, going to the the classics, you know, that's sometimes is a randomizer and an equalizer. So you can get some random results in that as well. But yeah, to, to run off a string of games is very difficult, especially against the high caliber of players that, that you saw at that tournament. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was so, a challenge. So Rick, players aside, the games are hard, but are they Hosier hard? I would say they're comparable. They're comparable. Um, absolutely. Yeah. See, yeah, there I, you go. You know, He's just been toughing you up all these years so that you're ready. 
Actually, the Absolutely. way that the way that Hozier set up the way that Hozier sets up his games was pretty close to how they were set up at District 82. And that's why I was like, oh, I know how this feels. Uh, it was very similar, like when it was at Golden State. Yeah, because we had all that outcry that the games were just too damn hard. But then you go to these real, like these real top level world class competition tournaments, and you see that they don't they don't set their games up with a lot of fuck around. They don't <laughs> like they're like they are designed to make you work for it and to punish your misses. Yeah, absolutely. That is I'll, totally I'll give you an, true. Yeah, I'll give you an example. I. I, I won my game on Jurassic Park and I think I got 35 million. So, um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's a game I usually crush, you know, in the hundreds of millions. And so, um, yeah, it, he, it, whatever he's done, steeping it up, you know, tight tilt slings. Um, they were steep. There's no question. <laughs> those games were steep. Yep. Yep. But yeah, see, I'm borrowing Rick's Jurassic Park, and I can tell you all of his high scores are in the billions. I put up like a couple hundred million. I was real proud. Like it was a long game, and I felt like I did a lot of good stuff. And I knew I wasn't going to get a high score, but I'm like, how far off was I? Oh, so yeah, <laughs> he, he knows Jurassic Park inside and out. Right. <laughs> somebody, somebody in our NorCal crew, I forget who it is now, had a getaway on location in a little burger and brew place in Vacaville. So I was down there one day and I got done with my work early. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a, you know, a late lunch and go play pinball. So I did. And I was so proud of myself because I put up a 90 million game and got high score number four. Since then having Dan's old one at my house for a time, I've gotten way higher than that. But, um, I looked at the number one high score at the time, and it was Neil Schatz. It was nine hundred million. Oh yeah. So yeah. So it's like, all right, <laughs> I got I got a ways to go here. You know, and Getaway does feel like one of those games that, like, once you have a handle on it, you can play it endlessly, but it will betray you and yes. kill you. So yeah, the fact that Neil can, you know, stand there for what had to be an eternity and run up a billion points on it is just disgusting. Yeah, that's just, yeah. just gross. Well, you know, <laughs> you is, is such, yeah, he's such a freak of nature, man. Yeah. You know, and just the sweetest guy, because he came to one of uh, Hozier's tournaments, one of Michael's tournaments some years ago, again, pre-COVID. So I'm going to tell you, it's probably around. You were there, weren't you, Mark? Uh, I don't think I was there when Neil was there. One? I can't yeah, remember. He was, he was living and working in Reno at the time. And he came, he just showed up. I saw it was, I, you know, I, I remember what it was now. Cause it was actually, unfortunately, as sad as this is, uh, it was, so it was five years ago. So it was the day after Steve Charlin's memorial service. Cause I'd shown him pictures from the memorial service. Cause somehow the stuff would come up like, yeah, you know, I'm glad they had a tournament today so I could make it. Cause yesterday I was at, Steve Charles Memorial Service. He goes, oh, you know, I heard about that. He goes, I'm really sorry I couldn't make that. I said, well, you know, here's some pictures. But he was just the sweetest, just most down-to-earth guy. But, yeah, just watching him play is pretty fantastic. So He doesn't like to lose, though. No. I have two high points of my life. I beat Rick at Space Shuttle. Ha-ha! <laughs> and I beat Neil Schatz at Funhouse. It was a total fluke. But yeah. he was pissed. <laughs> That's funny. 
was he as pissed as me, Dan? Or, or you were there? so gracious. You were so <laughs> gracious that somewhere in my heart, I think you let me win. Uh, no, 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 I was, no, no, I, was I, I know you didn't, but like I said, you were so gracious and like, so like everyone was so nice that day. Like it was just such a good feeling. And I was just like, I was like somewhere, you know, in that little core of self doubt that you always have, it's just like, he let me, he let me win. But I know you didn't. I know you would have happily crushed and humiliated me. You would have been like, Dan will be happy with second. I need another first. <laughs> yeah, no, that was your day. And and like I said, if it, you know, if it I didn't was. win, I, I was hap- happy that that you got that honor. It was. I thought I was about to have another one, you know, but like a month ago, but just couldn't just couldn't seal the deal. Stupid Jurassic Park. <laughs> well, that Jurassic Park at District 82 was like Rick said brutal i couldn't a bastard yeah i think my game was over in five minutes i was done Uh, yeah it didn't i didn't have it in the lineup on any of the tournaments in fact in many of the tournaments i had the same damn games so it really pissed me off because it was like there's all these games and i i have lost world again I had it like three times, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Which Lost World, Jurassic Park Lost World or the Old Bally? The Old Bally. And oh, that man, thing was okay. brutal. That one's all about that plunge, right? It's got like that really weird Yeah, plunge. it's about that plunge. And then the other one that was super brutal was Cyclone. That thing, I swear, you had a game on it maybe three minutes and you were done. Oh, yeah. It was you know, so Comet, brutal. Comet and Cyclone are both... Like those games are, are, are nut kickers. Yeah. Like I can see why they're, why they're so popular and why there's, there's such good games. Uh, I finally got to play like a good hurricane at Pinagogo. Uh-huh. And I can see why that game doesn't live up to those other game standards. It's a grind. It's a grind. It's where all, those, yeah, it's chopping yeah, wood for that one. You ain't, you ain't grinding shit on Comet and Cyclone. You're just trying to survive. Uh, and that, on that machine, in particular, absolutely. In fact, I was playing with uh, Travis Murray. He was in my group, and he said the best method was to shats it, or shots it, shats, shats it, and then go for the the uh, Ferris wheel. Don't even go for the cyclone ramp because it it was so tough to get it up there for some reason. Um, some people hit it and but so death when you miss it was so death yeah it was yeah so death and definitely don't hit uh you know that center center target or you're you're over quickly but uh, I, I got stuck with that game two times too uh yeah it was just uh very interesting but the really cool thing about the super series was there were so many different variety of formats of tournaments um the first one was a 10 strike progressive tournament and we've played that before in reno so i totally can be familiar with that uh, and for those people who don't know it's basically what place you finish you get the number of strikes so if you are fourth place you get three third place two second place one and then you get zero strikes if you get first place and then once you get to 10 you're out and i hung on for a long time i actually that was my tournament that was the best that i did and I think it was probably because I was the most relaxed and I wasn't thinking about points or anything like that. And then towards the end of the tournaments, then, yeah, then I started going downhill because I was thinking about, oh, if I could just get this many more whoppers, I could get up higher in the in the ranks. And, and it just messed with my mind. But, um, yeah, the first one that I did, I, I it was really funny out of all the people. 
the first group I had was Rick in my group <laughs> yeah. playing Whitewater. And that was, yeah. that played okay. That was not that brutal. Um, but uh, yeah, we had a tough group, right? We had, uh, let's see, it was Rick, Jim Hartley, and David Whitlock are the ones that I see on match play. Um, right. But I ended up winning that one. And I was feeling, oh, I'm feeling pretty confident because Rick, I, I beat Rick. I was like, well, <laughs> maybe maybe look things are looking up here. But uh, yeah, it was a good match and that was fun. Um, and then the problem is it's, it's set up for uh, Swiss pairings, Swiss tier pairings. So you, as the better you do, the harder people you play against. So before you know it, I'm playing against Colin Al- McAlpine. Uh, on X's and O's on the second round. And that's when I started getting a little nervous. I'm like, Oh gosh, here I am playing against Colin. I'm like, he's going to just destroy me. And of course he made those skill shots perfectly on accidents, accident and O's. Cause that's what it's all about. And then not realizing I just was stupid because I was like, Oh crap, there's targets. I'm on the top. And I never used the upper flipper to hit those targets. I was always having to go back and trying to just get it up that orbit again. Uh, stupid, but, uh, I did make one skill shot on there and I felt really good, but, uh, yeah, that I was think fun. that's good strategy though. Like, aren't you supposed to avoid the upper flipper? Yeah. For the most part, it, but it is good it puts scoring the ball out of control. It does. Yeah. Well, maybe that did work for me or, or whatever. Yeah, I got, maybe. I got one I mean, strike. Maybe, so. maybe you were doing the safe strat, you know, just instinctively. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, a lot of it was just a lot was luck on some of the wins that I had because people just couldn't handle the brutalness of the machine. And, uh, I just had a good one. Now my best game out of all those. And like I said, I'm gonna do my highlights. Otherwise we're never going to get done with the show, um, uh, was theater of magic. I scored 1.4 billion on that one. And I just kept hitting the jackpots basically. And I just trapped the wall and I just kept shooting the trunk, hitting it in the trunk. And I just, just nailing it every time. Uh, and that felt really good, uh, winning that one, uh, with 1.4 billion. I actually put my initials in that. Uh, nice. so that was exciting. I I made my mark as I always say. Uh, and then I did get to play a Dolly Parton and usually I suck at that game, but for some reason I was able to light that spinner and I just ripped that spinner like at least six or seven times. And it just totally just skyrocketed my score. And I was able to win that round. So I did really well for the first tournament. And then Rick, you can talk about yours, but I ended up in 14th place out of 150 people tied with Andy Rosa, Raymond Davidson, and then some other ones that I'm not, that I don't recognize. That made me feel really good. We were watching that by the way. I mean, not like on stream or something, but like I had the thing up where we can see how you did. Yeah. And, and yeah, I was like, Oh dude, Mark is, Mark is making a run at this. Yeah. That was really cool. I mean, uh, I didn't get up as high, like where Zach Sharp and Steve Zoller are, but Hey, I'm, I'm happy with that. I was, my goal was to be in the top 50 and I did not expect to be in the 14th place. So that gave me, I think if I'm not mistaken, 28 whoppers in 14th place. And that was that was the highlight of the all the tournaments. I was like, wow, this is really good. And I'm like, I think I can handle this. And then you get overconfident and then things, yeah, things go south. I did pretty well in the second tournament, but Rick, go ahead and talk about how did you do on the progressive strikes? 
Uh, let's see. What do we have here? I don't think I finished as high as 16th in any one of those events, but uh, what was my highest place? 28th in the second event, which which got me some whoppers. Um, just piggybacking off of what Mark said, you know, it's it's a long, grueling event, and you know, it's it's as much about mental as being, you know, as physical when you get to day two, day three, you know, and, and the end of the tournament. So, um, you know, it's it's difficult to be consistent across six events, and um, I think I ended up across the six events placing like 37th which you know if there's 50 in the top 100 I'm, i'll take that i mean i'm not in the top 100 so um i think it rewards consistency on that level but you know um playing against some of the the high profile names i, I mean there was one game where i looked up and i was against uh carl d'angelo colin McElpine. And who was the other one? Um, oh, Stephen Bowden. So, <laughs> oh wow. So, um, yeah, now and that's, then um, that's a lineup there. Talk about being yeah. intimidated. Oh my gosh. You know, and I, I'm I'm kind of getting over that. And you know, pinball on difficult games and classics, anything can go anyway. But um, yeah, it it definitely you know those guys are consistent and they're at the top for a reason. Um, and then one game I played against the Sharp Brothers uh josh and zach on indy 500 and actually came away with a win so um that was another highlight oh what was the other one okay so um one of the strikes tournaments i don't remember which one it was but you know it say we you know it was a you know eight strike tournament you know we all went into that with seven strikes so everybody was going home except the winner and i think raymond davidson was in my group it was on hot dogging and so oh yeah uh, yeah, I uh, I managed to pull off a win on that one, so that was definitely a highlight. Th but three in yeah, lanes, right? Three in lanes, and <laughs> it went into left out lane. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, just yeah, like you would think you're safe, but <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it was weird. You know, traveling two thousand miles, and then the first round, I draw Mark. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. And, and uh, I helped set you on your way to your big Whopper Hall there. So uh, you did. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It was a close game, though. I think we were real close in the scores. I can't remember exactly, obviously, but um, I was trying to get that five times play field. But that's so clever how they have it so difficult to get to by hitting it random uh, with the pops. But um, I think I had I forgot what I there was one where it was where you add the balls. Um, whirlpool is that what it was called whirlpool yep. yeah mm -hmm. i think i had that started and had things going but um i think what helped me is i was able to nail that shot uh three in a row right i think i did three mm -hmm. and i just that helped because then i was just you know, able to hit three jackpots in a row and of course that triples so i was like oh wow yeah this is good so oh yeah you were rolling i then. was rolling yeah. there yeah it played <laughs> three played jackpots great. in a row on whitewater it did oh yeah boom boom nice. boom yeah. nice yep yeah well you know once you've done that then every subsequent jackpot is a triple jackpot exactly and that's what so, i kept yeah. shooting for <laughs> i just kept so, shooting it into the lock and then it just went in there and and i just kept boom. firing it yeah that was good i know i know one of the things that um 
I just kind of learned out of these tournaments is, you know, don't get too low when you have a bad game because the next game is always something different. And, you know, the opposite applies to if you win a game, you know, it's not necessarily going to continue on. So you, you just need to keep even keel and, and do the best you can. And, you know, even if you can prevent like a fourth place to a third place, it's just so huge because in the end, in the standing, you know, a couple points can really, you know, move you 10 spots easily. So, um, you know, keep it even playing field. And that's what I admire about you, Rick, is that you are very low key and calm. I'm not, I get pissed. <laughs> I get pissed. I get pissed at the machine. And, uh, obviously I'm good sport after it's over and shake hands and everything, but man, I'll tell you, there's, there's one game police force where Eric put rubbers that are literally like, I think they were like one and a half inches thick. So you couldn't fire up that ramp and hit the million every time. Uh, you could barely hit it maybe once or twice in a whole game. Um, he definitely took those shots that are repeatable and he made it like, well, you're not going to be using that strategy, which is smart because then nobody would be done. I mean, you'd probably have Escher probably hitting the hundredth shot up that ramp. So it definitely helped with that. But, uh, that, that set of ramps is such an easy shot. It on is. That it's game. an easy shot. So he obviously he made it. I don't know what he did on it. He put like these huge rubbers on it. And then it was like a, it was almost like a half circle, like like a gigantic, almost like a I don't know. It was like yeah. how, how do you describe it? Like a like a crescent <laughs> that went all yeah, the way around the ramp. <laughs> it's crazy. It's basically. Yeah. You, it bare, the pinball could barely fit through there. Yeah. So you really had to avoid even going for that center ramp and you had to go for the right ramp and multi-ball and, and uh, what is it like top cop or, you know, yeah, and, and double your shot. score. And, you had to make it six times in a row to get the double yeah. your score or best I'm score. Sorry. For the record, yeah. police force is garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I say every pinball machine is good, but I hate police force. You would have yeah. you would have hated this one. This one was really oh. bad. If I had those like gigantic fat white rubbers like on the lock shot on uh on Adam's freaking uh the chair. God I can't think of the name. No, no, no on his uh Grand Lizard. Oh, 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 I don't even know. Oh, oh, I, sorry. I, I don't thought you were Adam's family. I don't sorry. even know where he found a rubber that big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Like it's like it had to be invented. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Eric did yeah. too. That's what Eric did. He did that on uh what was the other one? Oh yeah, Pharaoh. He had really thick rubbers on that entrance shot. So if you hit those rubbers, you were dead. It was over. But um, yeah, yeah. And lightning flippers, lightning and, flippers. You know, yep. Yeah. They're, they're tweaked at weird angles. And I, I hate it when you have to, you know, just bastardize games like that to make them playable in tournaments like that. You might as well just move on to the next game. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just leave them out of the, there's, there's a few games that they just don't put in tournaments. So unbalanced scoring, things like that. Um, yep. I used to own a Jokers, and it's a fun game to play. I really like the call-outs of that game. But it's a very unbalanced scoring, so you don't see it in tournaments. Yeah, you never see it in tournaments. I used yeah, to play that a lot in college. It's very unbalanced, yeah. yeah. But it's a fun game. It is a fun you know? game. That's Police Force. Police Force is not a good tournament. It's a good casual game for yeah. casual players. It's South not Park. a good game. 
Yeah. <laughs> South Park. It's a good casual player. Uh, game. South Park was right next to it, ironically. <laughs> really? And that one actually played okay. That was not too brutal. Um, but it definitely was a little harder than than a typical one you see on location or something like that. But um I'd had to get used to it. You know, it was a fact. And uh that's how Eric set up his games. And I respect that because otherwise we'd be there until the sun came up. So um, it was good that he had set them up that way. And like Rick said, it gives you a chance, especially those classics. Anything can happen. And I needed to have a better mindset of knowing that, you know, it's not the end of the world. If you get a couple of zeros, you know, you can always bounce back. And I did on a couple of things. But um, yeah, I, I just got to play a little calmer. That's all. Just play you don't have to you don't have to be good at pinball no you just have to be better than they are yeah exactly <laughs> that is so true so true but yeah rick you're just calm you're nice and calm and you're having fun and you don't get uptight on yourself and that's good that's good i i admire that i wish i had that but i don't that's not my personality <laughs> well, yeah i kind of hold some of that in sometimes Do you? But, um, yeah yeah i try i tried to you know i like i said not too high not too low that's right yeah, and well, I'm gonna and, have to make a trip out to uh, Wisconsin next so summer to District 82. So worth so. it. It's really a lot of fun. Um, I did good on my second tournament. I ended up, uh, I think it was in the top 50 on that one. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, then I played games that I'm familiar with, like Adam's Family and hmm, typical Adam's Family. I didn't get two flips. I missed the skill shot, and it came right down the left outline instantly. So. Yeah, just one of those things, but um, yeah, it was fun. Um, what was that one called again? That was not worth being in there. High hand? No, not high hand. What was it called? Rick, pop a card. Pop a card. Yeah, pop a card. Po- we call it poop a card. Poop a card, and right. yeah, <laughs> take that game out. <laughs> old old wedgehead got with. I had yeah. that game three times in the tournaments. Three times. It- it knew how much you liked it. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh, maybe I have a shot after the third time I play it. But yeah, it was uh, not a game that I care for at all. Well, you guys were there at that tournament the same weekend as Pinagogo, right? Uh, that's correct. Okay. Okay. So you guys think that I didn't, I didn't come out for Pinagogo this year. Dan, you went to Pinagogo, didn't you? I, I did. I did spend some time at Pinagogo this year. How was it this year? It was a good show. I mean, it was it was very Pinagogo. For people who are familiar with Pinagogo, it was it was pretty much the, the traditional layout. So we had the big hall and it had the two big rows of games. Nothing really too exciting or new, although we did have Toy Story there. So I got to put a few more games on Toy Story. Uh, crowds were super manageable, even at their busiest. You didn't have to wait very long to get on anything. We had some good vendors selling some some good junk. I picked up a $40 uh, champion pub back glass for Brian. Nice. And uh, I picked up a, uh, a uh, God, what am I thinking of? Oh, a Slugfest topper for Henry. Oh, nice. You know? So those nice. are, that's a really cool, like uh, plastic toppers at Bay Area. I haven't seen it on their website yet. They had one for Shadow that I thought about real hard, but I didn't end up buying. And uh, then the EM room was a little light. It it didn't have a lot of EMs, but I think that uh, the organizers were selling a lot of stuff because there was a lot of new in box 
like an open stuff that actually was was pretty decently priced there was a i think there was like a sopranos that was new in the box and there was a uh that was a episode one that was new in the box and pinball 2000 comes in two boxes which is probably one of the inconvenient things about it and it was wow. like six or seven grand a brand new pinball 2000 wow a brand new brand new episode one and i actually kind of like episode one i know it's a bootsy game but part of me was like oh that'd be really cool to have that but you know buying a 30 year old new in box who knows what you're going to be buying so wow um, but yeah, man, uh, Jeff came with me and we had a really good time. You know, we played a lot of games and uh, we uh, we didn't really get any King of the Losers on, but we did do some really good versus games. I had I had a big I had a big grinded out on Hurricane. That was that was a pretty funny one. You know, <laughs> like it was a long game of Hurricane. And I actually I Hurricane's one of those games that I know it's kind of crap, but I I low key have always wanted. I've never had one except for, you know, me and Brian bought a hundred dollar, you know, parts game. And I was always like, man, I'd, I'd really like to have a hurricane. I don't know why. I know it's not a good game. The, the ramps are cool. It the, does have some really good ramps. The ramps are cool. How it goes around in the back and then it comes you know, back. It's cool. And the Ferris wheel thing, the double Ferris wheel thing is yeah, cool. And yeah. I like the fact that it has tie-ins to the previous games in the series. I like the fact that it acknowledges that it's part of a, of a series with some lineage, you mm-hmm. know? So it has the, it has the, is it the combat ramp or the cyclone ramp? I don't think it has all three, but it has, it has one of the original ones. And then it has the hurricane, which is the big roundy ramp. Yeah, it has one it, of those. Yeah, I think it yeah. has a cyclone ramp. Yeah, yeah. But I thought it, I think it's cool that it acknowledges its its lineage. And Toy Story, I you know I can't say enough good things about that game except for the fact that it's too expensive. Like it shoots nice, hitting that jump is a really satisfying shot. It's got that Lawler, like it's well thought out. You know, he he makes all of his shots work. Like, there's really nothing bad about that game. The art's good. The theming is fine. I know everyone hated that it was Toy Story 4 and such as just Toy Story, but it's fine. And the Duke Kaboom jump ramp is really, like, it's a lot better than the slam ramp on uh, on No Good. Yeah. Like, no Good Gophers. Like, it's really fun to launch that thing up and watch it go into the hole. And it's just like, I really wish that JJP had managed to keep that game in kind of the, you know, the high price range that JJP fans already expect, you know, to have made it so expensive that even JJP fans are like, whoa, I'm not sure about all that, you know, is was kind of a mistake. But I guess that, you know, they're selling as many as they want to sell. And it seems like people are opening them every day. So I think Toy Story is is pretty. It's a fun game to shoot. And it's not hard to understand, which I love. Um, and. uh it, it is it is a little more easier for sure, but you could probably go into the settings, right? And make it harder. I mean, oh, yeah, you can take any game and, and yeah. make it tough. I mean, I I'll tell you what. I don't know why people are talking about it being so easy. I didn't have a game where I felt like I blew it up. Oh, OK. Like it's still got out lanes. It's still got bounce back. It's got posts that are going to send the ball right back at you. I mean, you know, it's it's still a pinball machine. It will kill you if you let it. Yeah. Um. You know, like I said, I just I didn't really see anything wrong with that game. I yeah. thought it was I thought it was great. My favorite part of that is ripping that spinner. It's so satisfying in that center. 
That's well, really cool. You know, with these new these optical spinners that they're putting on games, yeah, the spinner shots are are oh, yeah, really that's, really that's right. Those are opticals. That's that's yeah, why. So, I mean, you just you get a big a big satisfying spin just every every time. You know, it's you know JJP continues to make the Cadillacs of games, and I still say that. I mean, I know that Godzilla really proved that Stern can do it. Um, you know, Stern can make something that's probably every bit as good as what JJP is making right now. But I still say, you know, people, people look at JJP to, to release the biggest, most exciting games. And they need to understand that like, that's their strength. If they want to charge more than everybody else, you can't release a game that people don't understand what they're getting for their money. Like it needs to blow people out of the water. And I think that was the problem with toy story. When you sit down and you play it, it's a fine game beautiful super super amazing lighting you know everything that you expect a jjp to do but no building that sinks into the play field you know no turning force field with a spinner and a jump wrap to a magnet that catches it no collapsing bridge you know it doesn't do as many cool tricks as as you know a godzilla premium does and a godzilla premium costs two thousand dollars less Right. You know, you know, the theme, the theme and the art subjective. But, yeah, you can't fault the fact that one has a lot of mechanical action. One has a ramp that pops out of the play field and a doll head. And everybody's right. seen everybody's seen a bash toy pop out of the play field. No one cares. You know, <laughs> right. Right. You no, there wasn't enough wow factor to that game. Yeah, exactly. It's it's solid. It's fun. You know, it does everything it needs to do, but it doesn't it doesn't do what JJP needs to do, which is, you know, blow people out of the water. Guns and Roses didn't have any big exciting mechanisms either. It just had, you know, the best light shows ever put into a game. You know, you go back before that, you know, Wonka had big fancy mechanisms, the cameras, stuff like that. You know, Pirates obviously was Pirates, you know, Dialed In was Dialed In, Hobbit was Hobbit, Waz was Waz. Like every one of their games got bigger and better and more spectacular until Toy Story. Toy Story is just good. And I think that, you know, especially with a $2,000 price jump, they needed it to be more than good. But yeah, I liked it. I had fun with it. Um, And uh, I really, I was really hoping that, you know, people would, uh, people might, you know, we might get lucky and, and, you know, someone to do something crazy and we'd end up with a James Bond there, but no, we didn't get a James Bond a little too early, you know, because last year we got lucky and we had the Godzillas and we had the Insider Connected uh, this year, nope. It was just it was just a pinagogo. But for anyone who lives in Northern California, and I mean even you know the West Coast, it's it's definitely worth coming down. It's a three day show. It costs twenty bucks to get in. Super laid back. No seminars. No tournament. I mean, I noticed some people that are just like, oh, screw that. That doesn't sound interesting at all. But you know, there were probably one hundred and fifty pinball machines there. Manageable crowds. That's pretty you know, awesome. I, I, I yeah yeah. D- Dixon's a cute little town with, you know, good restaurants and, and, and decent places to eat. And, you know, if you have buddies who are going to be there, it's a super cool social, you know, uh, very accessible show. It's not going to blow you away. You know, you're not going to be like, what do I do? Like Golden State, you got to kind of know your way around. You know, we had three rooms worth of games at Golden State last year, one of which I think people didn't even find. Yeah, one didn't even. Yeah, they didn't even know about it. Exactly, yeah. you know, and that was more an accident of, of you know, circumstance. But like, you know, Pinagogo's right there. It's in your face. You know, here's the games. 
here's here's the here's the dealers you know this it, it what you see is what you get if you've been there you know it you love it if you haven't been there uh, and you're expecting a big fancy Chicago Expo you're not going to get it but if you're looking for a little laid back country you know and it is a it is a farm town uh, country country style pinball show you know it won't disappoint you and, and that's what big, I like about it, Dan, is yeah. that you go there and you feel like you're getting your weekends worth to just play pinball and not have to fit other things in. That's the one thing I like about Pinagogo. There is no tournaments to worry about. Like you said, there's no seminars. You get that whole time to play as many games as you want. And a lot of times there's some rare ones there. I mean, uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, what was the one that they had? It was, um, oh gosh. We had Kingpin last year. Yeah, the Capcom one, Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't think, there this I think time. TJ came through with Kingpin. No, not this year. Okay, we had a lot of Cactus Canyons this year. A lot of Cactus Canyons. Did you we have had Alien? A lot of Cactus Canyons. Ah, uh, there might have been an Alien. I don't okay. remember. I don't. I think I would have noticed that. Okay. Um, actually, I think that there was one. It might have been right at the end of one of the rows, but yeah. Um, yeah. Twenty nineteen was the last year I of, went, a lot of and Cactus they had Canyons. somebody brought uh Class of 1812, a beautiful one. Oh, yeah. That played perfect. Yeah. That's a a cool, weird game. (laughs) It is really weird, but it's awesome. Like like that is definitely a a cool, weird game. And there were some there were some good some good games for sale. I don't recall seeing any like smoke and must have it deals, but there was there was actually there was a Cactus Canyon, like an original Cactus Canyon there for like seven grand. That was actually in pretty good nick. but yeah, in, in a world where it's like you can get that continued uh, standard or special edition for like 8,000. Oh my gosh, it's hard to turn that down. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. They've just, done a great job on that as well. Yeah, what your presence was definitely program. missed. I'm glad that you and Rick had a good time at, at, at Super Series, but it would have been great to have had you guys come through. Obviously, I always miss Spencer at these shows because he was a uh, a constant fixture. And now with his relocation, he was for sure. I mean, that's that's how I met yeah. him. It was Pentagogo. <laughs> I gotta convince. I gotta get you to to fly out for these things. You yeah, can crash I, I, I I'll gotta plan better. I'll pick you up from the airport. You can crash at the house, but like you gotta get out to California, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be there for Golden State, and we'll see. We'll see for next year. Because uh, you know the reason I I wasn't planning on going uh, to Pentagogo this year is because I was gonna go to the mile high show, the Denver show. And, and we've had an unusually warm and nice fall here in Wyoming this year. That's about a four hour drive over to Denver, about two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes over to the, the Colorado border, which is just the other side of Cheyenne. But that's some of the worst area for bad weather. So, of course, the day I'm going to go to the show, Sunday, it's like because I had to work half a day Saturday, um, the weather turns bad. And it's been like like Friday was 75, Saturday was 72, Sunday was raining here in Casper, and it was snowing in like 60-mile-an-hour, 70-mile-an-hour wind gusts. So I just didn't go. Like, All right. So I missed say Somebody had brought a bond premium. I'm... I saw pictures of and they had toy stores like, okay, I missed that opportunity and it'll be next year. Um, I'll probably, it's probably JJ. Plus it was the same weekend as Expo. So that kind of 
caused a wrinkle. JJ had to, uh, from Game Exchange, you know, that's his home show. So he flew out to Expo for the first couple of days and then flew back for the weekend for the Denver show. So I didn't go to the Denver show this year, but I did have a pinball party. And that was a lot of fun and that was really cool. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to go backwards about two months. I'm at my new doctor's just for a checkup, kind of intake. And uh, I forgot to turn my ringer off on my phone. I don't know. I, I gone straight from work. And uh, so my phone rings, you know, some, you know, robocall, you know, your extended warranty is about to expire. And it's, you know, it's a godly pinball ring. So my doctor's like, is that a pinball ring tone? I'm like, yeah, it is. I'm like, I'm so sorry, doctor. I, I thought I turned the ringer off. He's like, no, that's cool. Don't worry about it. He's like, it's like you like pinball. So I started, you know, yammering about pinball. He's like, I have an old high speed in my basement. I've had for about 20 years. He goes, it needs a little work. I'm like, well, you have my you have my chart, you have my information. Call me, I'll come over and help you out. Not a lot of pinball repair people in Casper, Wyoming. Um, so I, I about a month and a half goes by, and just kind of like I, you know, it's probably we're gonna call. So one day the phone rings, is like, "Are you available uh, this week at all?" I'm like, "Yeah, I can come." So I came over, we made a parts list, we got back together, worked on it. So. Uh, he came, he, his wife wasn't feeling well, but she really excited about coming. I said, we'll do another one, you know, soon. So, uh, uh, he came and, uh, I advised some people from work, um, some other people, you know, some trail life dads and kids and like that. Uh, the boys had some friends over, um, some of our friends that usually come over and play pinball and come over before they were out of town and the, the kids, you know, high school football game and marching band and like that. But um, what was really great is I had uh, three coworkers who never, um, you know, been in my house before because they knew I liked pinball, which go back again. Um, my boss, his brother who helps out part-time has his own business but uh, he was doing, he was out at a client's house and uh, got talking. It's like, yeah, he goes, where's your regular guy? Well, he left. He goes, I'm filling in, but we got another new guy. He's from California, but he's really cool. He's really nice. You'll like him. He goes, is that the pinball guy? I'm like, cause it's, uh, we, we moved in the house. We bought the house. There was a washer dryer here. And I was waiting on the Escalera to get here and I had ordered before I moved our washer and dryer into the basement. And so I didn't, you know, we didn't need those other two. So I just put them on Craigslist for free and they needed the time. Like, yeah, our washer just went out. It's like, well, take them both. So they did. And it was those same people. So I'm, I'm known at work now as the pinball guy. So uh, it was a really great experience because, you know, all my games are older games. I don't have anything really super new. My newest game right now is Pinbot. And uh, so I pinbot Flash Gordon, my Gottlieb Search Champ, and um, the Hot Tip. And everything worked perfectly, no issues. It worked through the whole night. Everybody had a great time. But what was really great is, like, uh, my doctor, his name's Carl. I won't use his last name. But anyway, so Carl uh, leans over and he's talking to my boss. And they're playing. He goes, this is like being in high school again, being at the bowling alley. And he's like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, and, and for them, it really, you know, because like, you know, my doctor played a lot. He still enjoys playing. He played a ton in college. And and so these guys all enjoy pinball. Um, another one of my coworkers who played a lot in, in high school and college and later years. 
Um, the the mall, there's still an arcade. They had one pinball machine when I moved here. I tell Junior they just recently took out, but they used to have a bunch of pinballs. And he used to talk about you know playing Indiana Jones there and No Fear and like that. So you know all these guys know pinball, and, and my boss were like the same age, he's a year older than me or two years older than me. We talked about uh, you know Seven Eleven in the glory days of you know when they had pinballs and like that. And, and the underlying theme was is is, you know, these guys love pinball and they've grown up playing it, but they're not like plugged in like we are. Like they don't know, you know, they don't go to the shows and they don't go on pin side and, you know, they don't, you know, they're not in the the media aspect of it, but they love the game. And it was so beautiful, so pure because it was like, you know, it, was, it wasn't like, you know, oh, you don't have an LE in your collection or you don't have this. Like, oh, you have pinball. Cool. You know, we're good. You know, in fact, uh, my boss enjoyed playing the two oldest games the most because that was the era he played most of his pinball. So it really took him back and everybody had a good time. But it just reminded me. Uh, the most important thing is, you know, is, you know, hey, man, if you got the coin to drop on a $12,000 LE, awesome, you know. And if you don't, but you, you've got an old game, you know, an EM or a couple of EMs and a solid state or one DMD and two solid states, whatever, whatever you got, you're like, oh, you know, I don't have the newest games. doesn't matter. If you got games and they're working, you're doing great, you know, and have people over and just have fun with it and enjoy it. And uh, if you don't own any games, but you can get to ones on location or to friends, that's awesome too. The whole point is just to enjoy pinball for that simple, pure, like I just enjoy playing, have fun, hanging out with my friends, you know, Rusty made a ton of food um, and we had, you know, sodas and water and we had beer and whatever the fruity Hawaiian type drinks she likes. Um, but everybody just had a good time and it was real. like, I mean, everybody kept harkening back on, Oh yeah. This is like when I was in high school or, you know, one guy's like, yeah, you know, um, you know, my parents, we go to dinner at this restaurant. My parents want to go have a drink in the bar. They give me, you know, a bunch of quarters, go, go play pinball. We'll see you in a bit. You know? So it was, it was just, everybody kind of got to relive those moments from their youth for a little bit. And, uh, and everybody had a really good time. So, so we're talking about getting a little league going. Um, the two local people I met that have collections or two of the three, um, actually not all three. <laughs> there are three. There were three I invited. None of them showed to the party. So, um, <laughs> I know. And it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm working on starting a league. So I told everybody I'm going to start, uh, you know, I'm going to start working on putting together a league. I've been talking about this for a long time and, uh, now, you know, well, it gets right close to Halloween. Like my, my, my realtor, um, I invited him last year around Halloween and this year he's like, I really want to come because I got like six other parties to go to that night. So, and I'm like, no worries. We'll do another one. So I'm going to do something off where it's not like a holiday weekend or anything again soon. Same kind of thing. I'm just going to, you know, like make some chili and whatever. And, uh, and have some sodas and beer and say, okay, this Saturday night, boom, everybody come over, was going to hang out and play pinball. But it was just, you know, I just want to remind everybody, man, it's that, just that simple joy of, of, you know, that social interact, old fashioned social interaction where you're hanging out, eating junk food, drinking soda pop or beer, and just talking about nothing. You know, talking about whatever and playing pinball together and having a good time. And, yeah, you uh, got to remember, man. It's like pinball is just a vessel 
Like you can stand there in front of a pinball machine and you can play pinball and you can love pinball for the game and you could love pinball for collecting and you can even love pinball for the money. But I think what most of us really love pinball for is the fact is that there's a social interaction to it, you know, whether it's competition, you know, whether it's it's entertaining, uh, you know, and Spencer, you've always been one of the most social ambassadors of pinball of anybody that I've ever met. So I I know that when you have a party or a tournament or something like that, you know, it's it's going to be a good time for all involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Spencer, you planted the seed. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it will grow so fast. Um, how many people did you have at your party? Just out of curiosity. About a dozen. About a dozen. A dozen. Nice. Yeah. You know what you do, man? You start with a tournament. Yeah. That's what I'll probably do. You know, I've only got the four games right now, but, you know, it's a good place to start. What I'll probably do is maybe do like a pin golf tournament. Pin golf just, is uh, always a good way to start it. Yeah, we just go like through each game four times or three times or whatever. You know, you can so. have a tournament on one game. Don't get all caught up because, again, you know, you don't have a dozen games. Right. You know, the fact that you own a game is awesome, let alone you have, what, four? Yeah. You know, that's a great lineup. No, it is. Uh, it is. And and I think that, you know, people, you know, are going to get over there and, and they're going to play and they're going to have fun. And, you know, you do a tournament, do a monthly tournament, whatever you're going to end up doing. And if you get good turnout and you get good response, you know, you spin that off into a league. I know that for a lot of us in CCPL, we're excited about CCPL Wyoming. Uh <laughs> well, okay, since it's Casper, and I got, I've been reaching, meaning to reach out, I got to do that this week or next. Reach out to the commission, go, hey, can I borrow your, you know, can I just use, you know, your copy and paste your rules? But I was thinking about calling it CPL, the Casper Pinball League. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, I'm so lazy. I'm lazy. Either do, either do like Casper, the friendly ghost holding the ball, holding the pinball, or, uh, like, uh, I, um, cause like nobody cares if I still Casper. I mean, they really don't. Um, yeah, you, you wait and see how that turns out yeah, for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the other one I thought was the University of Wyoming, uh, logo. You guys have seen us, the Bucking Bronco, um, with the, the rider. Um, yeah, they protect that logo. They're hardcore. Um, they will mess you up if you, uh, still their logo. So I'll come up with something. I'll just a generic ghost or like a, uh, you know, um, a cowboy holding a pinball, something, I don't know, figure something out. So, but, uh, Oh, another, a really uh, funny anecdote about that was, uh, um, uh, Carl, uh, was like, he hadn't seen a pinball in years. I told him, yeah, I have a pinball. He goes, oh, I love that game. Played all the time in college. So he's like, it's okay if they take pictures and send to a, a buddy from college. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. And uh, I said, yeah, if he ever comes into town to visit, man, have him over, you know. And, and they were texting back and forth, going, oh, my God, that's such a beautiful pin by, you know. And uh, his high speed is uh, really in pretty nice shape. Um, it just He's had it for like 20 years and just needed some, you know, he never even had the glass off. So it just needed a good cleanup and some maintenance. And uh, um, Tell him to you give know. him 1200 bucks for it. There you go, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I'm pretty sure he paid less when he – bought it but uh um because again it's had probably 20 years so um but it's a mylar play build so other than a little tiny bit of bubbling at the the, the flashers um 
it's in, I mean, the plate pills are in really good shape. There's a tiny bit of wear at the, at the you know, at the saucer. That's normal. But I mean, overall, you know, for its age and being all original, really good shape. But uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it was just, like I said, it was just a really good, good time. And everybody, you know, and, you know, it was just like, oh my God, that was so much fun, you know? And, and uh, like, no, I'm glad you guys came out and had a good time and we're going to do it again. And hopefully we'll get a league going, get some tournaments going and, and, you know, get some stuff, get some stuff happening. So. And you'll never know those people that came over might catch the bug and all of a sudden they go, yeah, I just got a machine. <laughs> it happens all Absolutely. the time. One of the yep. guys couldn't make it. Um, Cause he had to work. He, he's got a, a, a side gig. He was doing Friday night. I said, we'll do another one. Cause we got to do it on Saturday. I'm like, I promise we'll do it. I'll do it soon. We'll do it on Saturday. He has a game. He has, well, he has a, um, he has a cocktail pen. I forget which one he had. It's, uh, it's Roy Roy Clark, the entertainer. Not, not Roy Clark. It was. Um, it's another <laughs> game plan. Not Foxy Lady. It's um, Night Moves. Night Moves. Thank Star you. Star Trip. Oh, you got oh, no, it. No, no, wait. No, is it Star Trip? Not Night I Moves. Loved, I loved Star Caribbean Trip. Caribbean Cruise. Night Moves. Caribbean Cruise. Yeah. Night Moves. It is Star Trip. It is Star Trip. <laughs> hey yeah, no, it is Star Trek. I remember now. I said, okay, so if you need anything, let me know. Rubber rings, whatever. You know, I've got. So, oh, and a funny story about that. Okay, so um, when I bought the pinbot from the guy, he gave me like a ton of parts. And I already had a bunch of fuses. Well, I blew a fuse on a flash cord the night before cleaning it. I don't know what the hell happened. I moved it, pulled the glass off, cleaned the glass, put it back on. Can't get the flippers to work. Got the flippers to work. And then all the play, the, the insert lighting and all the flashes are out. So I finally located and get on the phone. Mo, the mighty Mo helped a little bit. And uh, the one fucking fuse I need, I don't have. I literally have every other value, bags and bags of these things that the guy gave me plus ones I had had from Radio Shack unopened, you know, from 10 years ago. And uh, so there's an auto parts store, like three blocks from the house. There's a couple of them. So I called up the first one they had. So I ran up, I bought two bags, got it working again. But through the whole, through the whole uh, night, man, hundreds or dozens of plays on every game, everything was flawless. But nice. that was just funny. It's like, oh, shit. Thank God I can get up there and get a plot. Get a, it's, uh, always, it's always nice when nothing breaks. It, it is. It is. But uh, no, we just had a really good time, man. It just made me really reinforce just, you know, you know, like I said, you know, dude, I'm, I'm ahead of the curve. I've got a great little collection of four games and they're all clean and fun and working good. And uh, everybody had a wonderful time. So we're getting, you know, plans to see and we're getting something going. So excellent. So, yeah, man. So that was my. Uh, that's Where was my, my invite, man? I would have come. Oh, God, I miss you guys, you know, and uh, <laughs> I do. And that's yeah. And that's well, you know, Mark talks about how we met. We met. It was at Pinagogo and Rusty and I were playing uh, Hobbit. And, uh, and I was like, hey, you want to jump in? He's like, yeah. And that's how we met Mark. Yep. That's right. Playing Hobbit. Good old Hobbit. So, yeah. Well, you know, um, there's a couple of those going up for sale. So, locally, one, one, one I know for sure locally to you guys, or it was going up for sale. So, huh. um, I think so. that one is already sold. Did that one get sold already? Yep. Okay. It's right. it's staying in the family though. That's nice to hear. So, I figure some of those interests we could talk about it off. You know, but anyway, so that's what I got for tonight, man. And I think that's our show because we're at about 140, which is about where we like to be. 
So, uh, um, uh, since Rick is our special guest, thank you for coming on tonight, Rick. Yeah. Thanks Rick. Well, no, this has been great guys. Anytime. Um, yeah, we'll have to have it back on again. You got any shout outs or thank yous or anything you want to add to the conversation before we close it out? Uh, yeah. I want to thank Mark. Uh, he, <laughs> I flew, uh, in, you know, when we went to Wisconsin, I flew into Milwaukee, he picked me up and, um, we made our way up towards green Bay. We rode up with Mike and Stacy. So if they're listening, thank you. Yeah. Mike and, and Stacy LaFrida. Yeah. They were, they were fun to be with too. What a great, yeah, it, great group. It, it, it made the, the trip that much uh, more enjoyable just to be able to talk pinball between rounds after events, et cetera. It was, it was a great time. And, and so, yeah, uh, just a shout out to them. And then, um, you know, if you can, if you guys uh, could follow me on uh, Elk Grove Pinball, we have like three or four of us in the Elk Grove area that are big, huge enthusiasts. And uh, we're going to be doing more in the future. And uh, yeah, just uh, a shout out to, to my uh, Twitch handle. Awesome stream. I, I love watching it. Um, and uh, and that's shout Twitch? out for me. Yeah. It's okay, Twitch, so right? It's, uh, Elk Grove Pinball on Twitch. Okay. Yes, all one word. Yep. And my uh-huh. shout out goes to Rick as well. Uh, uh, piggyback off of you. I really had a great time. I, I really didn't know you that much except from tournaments. And I would go with you to any pinball tournament anywhere across the country because we really got along great and, and you were really fun to be with. So thanks for uh, being my companion out there and uh, having fun playing pinball and, and, uh, being competitive, but keeping our cool and, and, uh, learning all the great strategies that you share with me. Um, a huge thank you to your awesome spreadsheet that you put together. I referred to that like before every round. So thank you for putting that on and, uh, it will help with a lot of things, uh, with, with the games. So thanks for sharing that Google spreadsheet of all the correct strats to go with, to, with every game that was there. So thanks, Rick. You're welcome. And also shout out to Stacy and Michael for driving us up uh, to green Bay. So if you are listening, thanks a lot. It was wonderful and uh, really fun to bond with each other. How about you, Dan? Oh, you know, just always a big thanks to you guys just for being here and a big thanks to the CCPL, the coordinators, everyone who makes that possible, keeps me playing pinball. Uh, keeps me involved. Uh, you know, big thanks to my wife for putting up with all this bullshit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, big thanks to all the organizers of Pinagogo for, you know, giving us a fall show and something to do. Right on. Um, I'm going to throw a couple. Well, I'm going to throw a shout out to uh, uh, Jerry Stolenberg him and his lovely wife, whose name I forget. I'm terrible with this because um, I don't know. Well, I've met Jerry a couple of times. But anyway, they had a baby. So uh, everybody's mom, baby, and dad are all happy and healthy and doing well. So congrats to them. Now get back to work on my Weird Al. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can run a baby with one hand and build with the other. Uh, we've all done it. No, uh, but no, congratulations to them. So uh, shout yes, out here. to the Mighty Mo. Shout out to the Mighty Mo. Um, Mo is uh, kind of a. Bay Area pinball 
legend of sorts. Legend. Legend. And shout out to the magical practical Steve, who uh, I, I as soon as I posted, hey, I'm uh, doing show prep for tonight's uh, episode, and uh, we're gonna record. Should have it up shortly in a few days. And, like he was right there with a thumbs up, man. Always good supporter. All the NorCal guys, uh, all my new uh, pinball buddies in uh, in Wyoming too, and uh, you know everybody who came to the sh- to. Uh, our pinball little pinball party and uh, had a good time and shared food and drinking pinball with us and great stories about, you know, when they were young and what games they remember playing and where they were. And, you know, um, just those, those memories, you know, be able to, to help them bring those back, man. And me being able to be the conductor to say, well, jump on the trolley. We're going to go, down memory lane for a bit with you. That was really enjoyable for me. So um, to, to everybody who came to my uh, little pinball party, thank you. Shout out to you guys. Um, I want to make one more shout out too to Eric, Eric Thorne, who put on the District 82 Super Series Tournament. It was so much fun. A lot of work was involved. I know he probably worked hours and hours preparing those machines for the tournament. But if you're listening, Eric, thanks a lot for providing an amazing Whopper farm because it really helped me jump up in the ranks thanks to those tournaments. And it was just fun to see everybody from all over the country. Uh, even I think there were a couple from the world that were there and uh, it was just a, a, an awesome opportunity to play competitive pinball, but yet have fun at the same time. Right on. Yeah. So, and you know, thank you guys, you know, who, who always come, you know, that we meet whenever we get a chance and do our, do our episode show. I, I've been bouncing around the name of the show. I'll change it again. It's probably just going to be uh, uh fall fun or something. I don't know. Episode 51. So <laughs> without further ado, uh, this has been episode 51 of the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast. Um, you can listen to us uh, on our home uh, at SoundCloud. Um, we're also on iTunes. Uh, you can reach us with uh, requests, commentary, and uh, the, all those fun veiled death threats uh, at uh, the spinner is lit at gmail.com. So take us out, fellas. Play pinball. Keep, Keep America, America strong. strong.